Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. Step out of the grave, break into the wild, and don't be afraid. Run into wide open spaces, grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, grace is waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. For the Spirit is here, let there be freedom, let Sing it out.
sing with the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. For the Spirit is here, let there be freedom in this place to worship today. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So great to see you here again. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here with us this morning at Peckway Church in person and online. And uh, thank you for those who are viewing wherever you might be uh, today, at home or on vacation, anywhere like that. So thanks again for doing that. I'm so excited to kick off this new year together uh, here as we start with a new series today. And um, as I was, uh, well, I'll get to that in I'll get to that in just a minute. First, inside of your bulletin is a gray connection card. Go ahead and take that out. Uh, online, there's going to be a connect link in the chat window as well. But take a moment to fill out that card anytime during the service today. Uh, also, online, you can do that as well. But great place for us to be able to connect with one another because I can't come out and shake everybody's hand. And I definitely can't come to your house uh, and do that. But again, a great way that we can say hello to one another. You can ask questions about Pequay Church if you want resources to help you on your journey with Christ. This is how we do that. So it's very important that we fill this out. Those in person, you can drop that in the box on your way out at the end of today's service. And online, you just click that submit button. You'll get a quick uh, link back and fill out that information. And we can do that. Now I can get to the part I was talking about, which was about uh, the sermon series. Today, we're going to talk about waiting. Now, you might be thinking, waiting? How is that? Like a New Year thing, right? But it is. It's a great thing. And this morning's devotional for me came out of version, and I thought it was such a great way to start today's uh, the sermon series and what it has to say. And uh, this is version's Prayers for a Fresh Start. And it talked about that God is constantly inviting us to take part in his plan that he has for us. And so this is great news, but when life gets overwhelming with all the busy busyness and the noise of our lives, right? Then we can tend to start doubting what God's plan is for our lives or that we can take part in that and that we can be the people that God created us to be. And, uh, but, you know, one of the best things that we can do is to intentionally slow down and to seek God's heart. And when we cultivate these honest conversations with God, uh, we create this space for him to work in our souls and speak to our hearts. And so with this new sermon series that we're talking about waiting today, I want to invite you to draw closer to God uh, because he alone is able to prepare us for new seasons and fresh starts. And so as Pastor Chris comes a little bit later, you'll have your message notes there for you in your bulletin. They'll be online as well. But take note of what he's going to be talking to us about today through God's word about slowing down. You know, I'm reminded of Lily Tomlin, if you know who that is. She's a comedian. If not, if you're younger, you definitely don't know who she is. But she had this uh, saying about uh, for hurry sickness slow down it's something like that that she would say but slowing down and so I know after the Christmas season all those kind of things it's a great time for us to do that and to wait on the Lord so let's do that together this morning as we continue worship would you stand with us as we sing together about the great things that God has for us in this new year 
worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. Your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. Oh God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom. Sing that again. Hallelujah. looking forward to this year. Great things in this new year. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's continue.
Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden laying heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way.
on your foundation today. Be praised in this place. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated.
Well, good morning, church. It's a pleasure to be here with all of you this morning and to to share God's word together. Turn to somebody next to you and say, Happy New Year. Yeah, here we are again, right? Here we are again. New Year, New Year, New You, right? Isn't that the common phrase? You know, I, I used to... Um, I used to run a lot, and back when I was running a lot, I subscribed to Runner's World magazine, and, and you could always guarantee uh, two things with Runner's World, Runner's World magazine. The January cover issue would say, New Year, New You, and almost every month they would say, there would be a little article or blurb about the greatest post-workout drink, and you could always say, it's chocolate milk, and they would always say, it's chocolate milk. It replenishes your carbs and your protein. So if you're, lo- if you're looking for a workout drink or a post-workout drink, just drink a glass of chocolate milk. You don't need to buy all the protein powder. Chocolate milk. Anyway, I don't know why I shared all that with you, but <laughs> I, I want to I talk this week and next week uh, about waiting, just as, as Scott said. And I, uh, I love when the Spirit shows up, even in those small details like Scott's devotion this morning. And how that just tied in with where we're going to be going uh, over these next two weeks. And I want to talk about waiting. And specifically this week, I want to talk about waiting as radical trust. Waiting as radical trust. You know, waiting is not something that we enjoy. And nor is it something that, I, in my opinion, it's not something we do very well as people. A couple quick examples when we're at the grocery store and we have our cart or our armful or whatever the case may be and we approach the, the checkout line, whether it's the self-checkout or we're looking for a, a checkout line that actually has a, an employee, what do we look for? The shortest line, right? If you're like me, don't, don't ever get in line behind me because I always pick that line that looks like it's the shortest, but then the person in front of me pulls out the checkbook to pay. And you're kind of like, really? Like, this is like now 2023, right? Like, you're still going to do that? And they have to call the manager over and it's like, oh, they flick that light and that starts blinking, right? We just feel so annoyed when that happens. Or how about when we're at the doctor's or the dentist's office? Let's say we have a three o'clock appointment and we look at our, our watch and we say, oh, 3.05. What goes through our mind? I wish I could bill the dentist for every minute that I'm here over my appointment time, right? How dare they make me wait? And then we get so frustrated, right? Or how about this? When we're traveling, if you use Google Maps like I do, or uh, Garmin, or whatever the case may be, and there's that little, little part down in the corner, the estimated time of arrival. It's like, oh, 2.45? I can beat that, <laughs> right? Who's, who's with me? Who's with me, right? It's, yeah, yeah, thank you, I'm not alone. It becomes like a game, right? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get there quicker than you tell me I'm gonna get there. I got no time for waiting, right? Like, that's just part of, of our culture. It's kind of the, the air that we breathe. And, and it's kind of like a fish in water. Like, does the fish know it's in the water? We, we live in this culture that is just constantly rushing from one thing to another. And in the process of rushing from one thing to another, something's being lost. 
And what's being lost is our ability to wait. And I would suggest to us this morning that 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 tendency to rush here and there, to move quickly from one thing to the next is actually a spiritual issue. I hear my kids in my, my head right now saying, Dad, it's not that deep, right? But it is. I, I want to tell us this morning that it is. It's a spiritual matter, right? We live in this hurry culture, and it, its effects are everywhere if we have the eyes to see it. Just look at the service industry, whatever, whatever falls under that that. That title, service industry, the service industry is all about speed and efficiency. Just look at some of the language. We have fast food. Get your oil changed at Jiffy Lube, right? Or how about this, Instagram, right? Do you notice that language there? It's all about fast it's all about rapid, fast, jiffy, insta, for instant, right? I'm old enough to remember the Burger King motto, your way, right away. Your way, right away. Again, instant. You don't have to wait. Something I hear my kids talk about, you may be familiar with this, in regard to texting and messaging back and forth with friends, you don't ever want to leave somebody on red. That's R-E-A-D, not R-E-D. Because if you leave somebody on red, that means they saw your message, but they're not responding. And that's considered, if you're left on red, that's an insult in today's culture, right? That's an insult. Like, got to respond immediately. You got to respond pretty rapidly or we're in trouble. Smartphones in general. We don't, now we don't even have to wait with our, our own thoughts. Remember when we had to do that? Remember, remember, you know, our generation and older driving on a family trip? You just would, if you didn't take a book or something or a toy, you just stared out the window. Because your mom and dad controlled the, uh, the stereo, the car radio. So you just had to learn to deal with it. Something's lost with our current culture today. Something's lost there. You know, we, and then what about the effects on our younger generation, right? Is, is it fair for us to expect them to wait, nor even know how to wait? Because we don't even know how to wait anymore. When kids get fussy in the waiting room of life, what do we tend to do this day and age? Let's give them a screen. Put on YouTube, right? Put on, put on a cartoon. Right? It's, it's, like a, it's become a pacifier where none of us, from the oldest of us to the youngest of us, we don't like waiting. We, we just are losing the ability to do it. Scott mentioned hurry sickness, and it's interesting because I want to mention hurry sickness as well. And uh, I have it on the, the screen for you, just two definitions from John Mark Comer. Hurry sickness is something that is uh, an example of, of, of a pattern that we are living out in our lives, and some of us don't even realize that we're doing it, and he describes it in two ways. He says that hurry sickness is a pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. I don't need to see a show of hands, but does that resonate with anyone? 
Do you feel like you are constantly going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, that you don't have time to even catch your breath? And is your schedule so overloaded with things that it's actually creating a sense of anxiety within you? That's, that's hurry sickness. And he gives another, another explanation. He describes it as a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any type of delay. Again, I don't need to see a show of hands, but does that ring a bell with you or your family in any way? When something unexpected arises, does that set off somebody in some certain way because now we have to deal with this when we wanted to deal with this over here? Hurry sickness is a reality for us. We live essentially, I'll, I'll never forget when I, a um, number of years ago, I was in Kenya and one of the local Kenyan pastors was talking about how us Westerners, we live by the power of the watch. We live by the power of the clock, right? And it comes through in, in phrases we use, right? Like time is money right? Like all of this demonstrates just that hurry culture, the hurry sickness that we live into. Um, Richard Foster, who is, if you don't know Richard Foster, he is um, well known for writing about and encouraging the church to engage in the spiritual disciplines. And um, his, his classic book now, written about 25, 30 years ago, called The Celebration of Discipline. And it's all about using and engaging the spiritual disciplines, he opens up, I believe it's chapter one, he opens up with this phrase, and I have it on the, the screen for you. Richard Foster says, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Psychiatrist Carl Jung once remarked, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Just let that sit with you for a moment. Muchness, manyness. You know, as, as a pastor, uh, a question I ask is, how has this affected the church? How has this hurry culture, this hurry sickness affected the, the church? Um, Barna Research Group back in 2015 released research that they did in conjunction with the navigators. If you don't know who the navigators are, it's a uh, uh, discipleship making organization. They're focused on making disciples and discipleship materials. And um, the study that they released was called the state of discipleship. And according to the, this report, they discovered that, that and this report, the, the research was done among professing, practicing Christians right? That's how they defined it, professing, practicing Christians. So you and I. And they discovered that the number one reason that professing believers were not engaged in discipleship was, you don't have to think too hard on this, I'm too busy. General busyness of life. I don't have time to engage in that small group. I don't have time to spend uh, in the word and in prayer in the mornings or in the evenings. I don't have time for that. I am too busy. That was the number one reason for the lack of discipleship 
according to this research. Guys, that's how it's affecting the church. That's how it's affecting you and I. Friends, it's imperative for not only our own individual spiritual health, but also for the health of the entire church family around us that we understand the importance of waiting. Learning to wait is actually a statement of radical trust. And I believe that this seems to be a major theme within Psalm 46. And so I would encourage you, if you brought your Bible this morning, open up to Psalm 46. I'm going to read the the whole Psalm, verses 1 through 11. It's also printed on your, your outline there as well. Psalm 46, God says this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this new year. And Father, as we look to a new year, we tend to look to a new year as an opportunity for change, an opportunity for hope. But Father, I pray that we would also recognize that change doesn't just happen. It takes intention. It takes action. And Father, I pray over all of us gathered in this place and those watching online right now, I pray over this Pequay Church family that that you would teach us afresh what it means to learn to wait with you and to wait on you. Father, guide us in our time together. We thank you and acknowledge that you are already here with us. And I pray that you would just breathe afresh upon us as we gather together here. Breathe afresh upon us the Holy Spirit, your life-giving spirit. And in that process, give us open eyes to see, open ears to hear, and open hearts to understand what you're saying to us today, Lord, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing that Psalm 46 reminds us of is the certain reality that this world is fallen. And that's on your outline there. Psalm 46 gives us a reminder of the reality that this world is fallen. And it gives us two examples or two essential ways, two reminders here. And the first one is this. The natural world is infected. The natural world is infected. What do we mean by that? Especially that word infected. That refers to sinfulness, right? Sinfulness. So when Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't just affect humanity. Literally, scriptures teach us that all the cosmos has been affected. That's why Paul tells us, for example, in Romans 8, he says that creation, all creation groans 
Why is it groaning? Because it's, creation itself is await, awaiting that moment when Jesus returns and makes everything brand new. That's why we have things like devastating floods and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. That's not God's original design. That is all the result of the fall from the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. And, Genesis, or, and Psalm 46 verses 2 and 3 give us that reminder. They say, the, the psalmist writes, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In a sense, what, the, what this is a picture of is what scholars will call decreation. Decreation. And this is something we find all throughout Scripture. That because of the effects of sinfulness on the entire cosmos... That everything has been affected, and so creation is in this state of being decreated until the return of Christ, when everything will be, as I said a moment ago, made new, right? And so um, we have glimpses of this all throughout Scripture. Essentially, in, in Genesis 1 and 2, in the creation account, what happens is God sets boundaries in the natural order. Essentially, he says to the oceans, you can only come this far. But now, as the result of sinfulness, we find flooding happening occasionally. And all of these things happening from time to time. And as the psalmist declares, that the, uh, the surging of the heart of the sea and the waters roaring and foaming and the mountains quaking as a result and falling into the sea, those, those boundaries are, have become blurred because of sin. The natural world is infected. Just think for a moment. This, this one's for free, right? This isn't in my notes. Just, it just hits me. Like, imagine, I mean, the world's beautiful now, isn't it? Imagine when that moment comes when Jesus does return and creates everything new. What's it going to look like then? Holy smokes. Think of the sunsets and wow. Anyway, sorry. So the natural world is infected. And secondly, the nations are infected. The nations are infected. In the first part of verse 6 in Psalm 46, the author says, Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. And there's another verse in this passage where there's a, the word war is referenced. Right? And so we have nations in uproar and kingdoms falling and we have wars happening and these things are man-made. But ultimately it's the result of the infection of sin among the nations. But we're told that God will bring them to an end. James tells us in James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, he says, what causes these, paraphrasing, what causes wars among you? He says, quarrels and fights. What causes these wars among you? Your desires. That battle within you. You want what you want, but you don't get what you want, so you kill in order to get what you want. Why, why do we have wars? Because nations want something, and they're not getting it, so they start a war in order to get what they want. Russia wants Ukraine. Ukraine won't surrender, so we're going to bomb you, and hopefully until you surrender. Right? But the psalmist tells us here that God, in his goodness, will bring these things to an end. 
Interestingly, as we continue to lean into our lives of busyness, our chaos, even if we could use that language, there's a tendency in the midst of all of that, in the midst of this infection in which we live, there's a tendency to neglect the Lord as we rush from one thing to another to another. And I would suggest that even in the midst of that rushing, that even that are, is a sign that we too are infected. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place that in our weariness we are crying out to the Lord in lament and in despair. And we cry out and we say, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Sometimes this could come from some big thing that we're dealing with. Perhaps a, a big diagnosis that we never thought would come. Perhaps the loss of a loved one that seems to be happening all too soon. Or this question could come about from a thousand tiny little things that just seem to be building up and building up and building up until it just begins to overflow from our lives and we cry out, where are you, God? I just want to share a, a bit of a personal story with you um, as an example from something I experienced a few years ago. The Lord brought me into the waiting room, his waiting room, so to speak. 2019, we were in a rough, rough place of ministry. I was feeling burned out, um, feeling like perhaps I needed to step aside so the particular church could bring in some fresh leadership, some fresh vision. After some prayer, Stacy and I were in agreement that it was time to, to step down. And so in August, we, we gave our resignation and said we would finish out the rest of the calendar year. And um, they came back and said, you know, we'll, we'll give you a sabbatical till the end of the year. And so we entered into this time of, of unknowing. It wasn't a planned sabbatical. During that time, I didn't, we didn't know what was next. We were still praying and discerning and asking God what was next, but we clearly believed that, that he was telling us that it was time to, to step aside. I interviewed no, le no less at 12 different places, both, both ministry-related and, quote, secular-related roles, making it deep into the interview process with, a major with not a majority, but, but a handful of, of those, making it down to the final two people, only to eventually get the message that that role was given to the other person and not me. January 1st rolls around. I have no employment. That means we have no health insurance. Stacy was working part-time at the time. We had very little income. I ended up the stress was just becoming too great for me. It began to manifest in my body physically. One night as I was laying in bed, I didn't know if I was having a, a heart attack or a stroke. I ended up driving myself into the ER and after some tests, just discovered that everything was perfectly normal. It was the stress manifesting itself in my life. 
right? And I could, I could go on and on and, and share more, but, but here's, here's what I want to focus on. During that time, I, I continued to just try to lean into the Lord. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't have, sometimes I didn't even have the words to pray. But for me in that moment, and I have this printed on your outline for you, Psalm 31 verse 14 and the first part of verse 15 became my mantra. It became my prayer. This was what I clinged to during that moment of being in the wilderness, being in God's waiting room. I cried out to the Lord, but I trust in you. I would say, God, where are you in this? I don't understand what you're doing here. I don't understand what's going on, but I trust in you, God. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. And those words became uh, uh, roots for me to cling to. They became a shelter for me because they were a reminder to me that even though I couldn't see what was going on, I was reminded that my time was in God's hands. None of this was catching him by surprise. None of this was, uh, um, um, you know, shocking to him. But he was actually working in it somehow, some way, even though I couldn't see it. We often don't like the wilderness. We don't, we don't like being in God's waiting room. We despise it. But friends, hear me here, please. It's crucial to our spiritual maturity. It's crucial to our spiritual maturity. Because it's in the waiting room, it's in the wilderness, where God does the careful work of a surgeon on our lives. And I would even say that you can tell those who have learned to wait on God in the wilderness compared to those who have not experienced it. And it's not by accident that after Jesus was baptized, the first thing the Holy Spirit led him to do was to do what? Go out into the wilderness for 40 days. That was the beginning of his ministry, and that was purposeful. Friends, it's the wilderness, it's the waiting where God is forming us and shaping us. I love Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 5. I love this, this image here, and this is on your outline as well. The, the um, author declares, who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? Now, in, in, there's a sense where, where the, the her is the church, the her is us, and the beloved is Jesus. And so when God sends us to the waiting room, when he leads us into the wilderness, it's an opportunity for us not to uh, despair, but it's an opportunity for us to learn to cling to Jesus. It's an opportunity for spiritual growth. And how do we do this? The psalmist in Psalm 46, I think, gives us uh, two things to take away. And the first one is this. It's a reminder for us that God is the place of our ultimate security. God is the place of our ultimate security. 
Three times in Psalm 46, we are given a reminder. Perhaps in light of that question, where are you, God? We could say three times in Psalm 46, we are given an answer to that question. And the answer to that question, where are you, God, is this. God says, I'm right here with you. I am right here with you. Look at verse 1, verse 7, and verse 11. I I didn't print these out on your outline, but you can see it on the the passage that is printed on your outline. In verse 1, the author begins by saying, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present. Circle that word, that that phrase, ever-present. He is an ever-present help in trouble. When we are in the waiting room and we feel like, God, where are you? God hasn't left us. He is right there with us. He is an ever-present help. Right? Look at verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. Circle with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then that verse is then repeated in verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. Circle with us again. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Guys, sometimes when God seems so distant, he's actually closer than we can actually fully comprehend. Psalm 139 reminds us that that there's nowhere we can go from his presence. There's nowhere we can go from his presence. So if we're feeling far from God, it's probably something in us that's feeling far. But I want to just remind you, according to what the word's telling us here today, that God hasn't left you. He's not far from you. He's right there with you. He is your place of ultimate security. I like what Old Testament scholar Gerald Wilson says, and he, he um, says this at the close of, of what he, his uh, commentary on Psalm 46. He gives this reminder. He says, life with God is not dependent on life as we know it, or even on the universe as we know it. Life with God transcends our need to life here and now at any cost. Life lived in the power of God's refuge and strength becomes eternal life. Not just life that hopes to be restored in some future perfect existence, but life that is not threatened by the imperfection of our world or even by the dissolution of all we know. Mm. Sweet words. Powerful reminder. God's our ultimate security. So let the waters rage. Let the nations rage. We can stand firm because we've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken because God is our ultimate security. Secondly, since God is our ultimate security, he is calling us to embrace the waiting. He's calling us to embrace the waiting. Psalm 46.10, probably many of you could quote that verse to me. You probably might even have it posted on something hanging in your home, or maybe it's on the coffee mug you drank your morning coffee out of this morning, right? Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
That, that phrase, be still, in the Hebrew, that is in an imperative form. It's an imperative. And so what that means is when we see that phrase, be still, essentially it means stop, cease and desist. Or some scholars point out that it's kind of like a, a military type of sense where the uh, sergeant or the person in charge says, attention, and all the soldiers stand like this at attention. They stop. I like how the, uh, the CSB translation translates that phrase. CSB says, stop fighting. And the New English translation says, stop your striving. So when he calls us to be still, it's, 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 again, it's, it's emphasized. It's an imperative. We need to pay attention. We need to just stop. Because in the midst of our struggles, would you agree with me that we have a tendency to just run ahead? We want to figure it out. We want to know what's next. We want to get to that next thing. We want to make sure our ducks are in a row as, as best as we can. We want to figure all of these things out. But when we do that, don't we at times make our situations more difficult than they need to be? Again, that's a, it's a spiritual issue. When we try to run ahead of God, essentially, I would suggest what we're trying to do there in those moments is that we are putting ourselves in God's place, which is really what Adam and Eve tried to do in Genesis 3. The deceit of the evil one was, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And to quote Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. What's old is new again, right? It's the same sin that we struggle with. Trying to put ourselves in the place of God. Eric Spear, who writes for Relevant Magazine, in an article from a, a couple years ago, he says this about waiting. He says, most people don't like to wait. We often get frustrated waiting on fast food or waiting behind a slow car in the fast lane. We're always in a rush to get to the next place or the next thing. This mindset often carries over into our spiritual lives with us rushing to the next big thing. The problem with waiting is not having all the details. From our perspective, we have everything figured out and we want God to move within our own time frame. Mm. Man, isn't that true? How might this affect our spiritual life with Christ? We can be too quick then to spend time with the biblical passage. We can be too quick to get out of a Sunday gathering because we're ready to just move on to the next thing that the day holds for us. I think we have lost, or maybe we could say we are losing the ability to linger with something that God is asking us to linger with. Sometimes God does that. He doesn't just give us something and say, okay, now you know that, move on to the next thing. Sometimes God wants us to enter into a season where we are just kind of looking at something from different angles and holding it in different ways and just sitting with something. But in our rush, we're losing the ability to do that. And when we do, it's to our own spiritual detriment. Psalm 46 reminds us 
or should I say calls us to embrace God's waiting room. Friends, let us not forget the God who is near and sovereign over all things, and that includes even the waiting. Now just to wrap this up, I have it on your outline there, some questions to guide us through the waiting room. I don't want to just talk about this. I want to give you something that you can take with you, right? Some questions to help guide us through the waiting room, right? Four questions that we can ask. Now, I want to say that when we, at, when we deal with these questions, it means we have to get into a quiet place, right? Whatever, wherever that may look like for you, we need to get into a quiet place. And I would suggest, I'm fighting the temptation to talk about this more, but we're running out of time Put your phone in a different room. I would, even ask, I would even ask you to consider not bringing your phone into the sanctuary. Ask me why later, okay? But get into a quiet space and prayerfully sit with God and ask these questions. What am I fearing? What do I need to be still from? Or what in my life do I need to be still about? This question is kind of an introspective question, asking God to just reveal what's in our hearts. The second question, how has God been moving or acting around me? When I sit here in quietness and I look outside of myself, what is God up to? What is he doing? Because friends, when we're rushing from one thing to the next, it's these things that we neglect, Right? The third question there, how can I know or trust God in this instance? This is essentially a question, or when we pray it back to God, we're essentially analyzing our situation from its proper perspective, and that's from God's perspective, right? And then that fourth question, how can I exalt God in this situation? Because in this psalm, he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. That's language of praise and worship. This question is all about worship. Friends, when we worship God, worship counters our fears. Worship counters our bitterness. Worship counters our envy. Worship counters um, all of these things. Worship opens us up to God and what he's doing. What am I fearing? What do I need to be still from or about? How has God been moving or acting around me? How can I know or trust God in this situation? And how can I exalt God in this situation? Put these into the form of a prayer and then wait. Wait for God's response. May we grow to become people who embrace the waiting because to do so is to embrace the way of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us today. And Father, I just want to simply pray for all of us that we would be men and women who have a supernatural desire to just be still before you. And that as we learn to embrace the stillness of your presence, that our lives would be a demonstration of a radical trust in you, not in ourselves, not in anything else that's fleeting or temporary, but in you and you alone, because you are the one thing that is eternal. Help us to build our lives on you. 
Guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And bef- bef- while Scott's coming up, I just want to say, um, I, just, I just feel, um, I want to pray for people today. So if, if you find yourself in a place of waiting right now, as we enter into this new year, um, I have anointing oil. Um, just after we're done, our worship gathering here, just meet, I'll be up here, probably just sitting on the step here. Just If, if you want prayer, come up, and, and I would love to just pray with you in the midst of God's waiting room. Thanks, church. Thank you, Chris, for sharing that message as we kick off this series. You'll want to make sure that you're here next week as well. On your card, on that gray card, uh, there's some places for decisions. And if you made a decision today or you're struggling with one about waiting on the Lord, um, would you be willing to share that with us as we pray this week, uh, as we get together as a staff? We'll be praying together over those things. And uh, so if you want to do that, please do that today on that card online. You'll also be able to do that with a link that's going to be there in the chat window that you can do that as well for those decisions. But um, if you're struggling with those, please don't do that alone. Uh, let someone know if it's not us, a trusted uh, a small group leader or a friend who, uh, who walks with the Lord to share that with you. I have this verse on the screen. I thought about this as Chris was preaching um, Psalm 27 14 it's a as a presentation slide so it's going to blink a couple of times but um, it says wait on the Lord be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart wait I say wait on the Lord and uh, this is spur of the moment but it's actually a song that I learned uh, when I, I sang with a group that I heard another group sing and uh, you know singing is a great way for us to learn things right think of nursery school kids they sing nursery rhymes right That's how you learn those kind of things. So I'm going to sing this melody for you. And if you feel brave to sing along with me, then I'll invite you to do that. But it's a great way for that to become part of our walk every day and that God will bring those things to your mind. So it just goes like this. It goes, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say wait, wait upon the Lord. Wait, I say wait, wait upon the Lord. Won't you try it with me? It goes, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say wait, wait upon the Lord. Wait, I say wait, wait upon the Lord. As you go, I pray that that is your prayer today. Don't uh, forget, if you would like prayer, Pastor Chris will be here at the front. Thanks again for being here today, and Happy New Year. And I look forward to spending time again with you next Sunday at our regular times, 9 and 1030. Have a great rest of your day.